0: Here we are, we gather here Frail and unsure, we will sing your praise Here we are, as one we're here Broken and scattered, we lift your name We'll see what your love what your love can do. When we're in seminary, pastors are taught things like Greek and Hebrew. We take Bible classes, courses in church history. We learn how to lead worship and we take preaching classes. Now usually the point of a preaching class is to help us Find our authentic voice to learn how to get comfortable in front of an audience and finally to help us learn to balance the scripture of the day with the cultural climate of the day. German theologian Karl Barth is credited with telling preachers to learn how to preach with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. So why am I telling you this? Uh, It's because I had originally planned on talking about how this text before us can often make us feel like we're not good enough. It can make us feel less than or weighed down. But as I got started writing, all I could think about was this word unity. It just kept on being the one word that wouldn't let go. Maybe because with the newspaper, or Twitter in one hand, the biblical ideal of unity feels a lot like that, an ideal, one that feels farther away and less attainable than ever before. Nick has this for the screen so you can follow along, but Webster defines unity as the state of being united or joined as a whole the state of forming a complete and pleasing whole, especially in an artistic context, or a thing forming a complex whole. From its Latin root, which is unitas, we get words like unite, unification, union, uniformity, and oneness. It sounds about right when we hear this word, right? Unity. The ancient philosopher Aristotle maybe got his explanation the closest to how we understand biblical unity, especially in the early church in Ephesus, when he divided unity into three kinds. Aristotle said when we use the word unity, we are speaking either of unity of time, unity of place, or unity of action. So we're either sharing the same period of time sharing the same location, or doing the same thing. Sometimes, all three. Now, in the Bible, the word unity is actually pretty rare. Now, if you've been paying attention the last few weeks, or you've even taken the time, as suggested, to read the whole book of Ephesians, you'll notice the word unity is everywhere. And you're right now thinking, Natalia, it's actually not that rare. We hear it all the time. But all those other places in scripture where we have translated the Greek word into the word unity, the word used is eis, which means one. There are only two times in the whole Bible, just two, where the word henotes, which really means unity, is used. And they're both here in Ephesians 4. We've been in Ephesians for three weeks now, and in all the chapters and verses we have heard before today, we've had this reminder over and over again of what God has done and what new kind of world and culture and humanity God has ushered in through Jesus. Now in case you need a refresher, here's just a few. In chapter 1, we heard the prayer that we may know what is the hope to which God has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe. In chapter 2, we are told how much God loves us, and that it was out of that great love, even when we were dead through death, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, all knowledge, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And then we get to today, chapter 4 in Ephesians, which is a turning point in this letter to the church in Ephesus. Instead of continuing to talk about all the things God has done for us, for you, for me, for insiders and for outsiders, for the whole world, Today the letter moves to consider what kind of life is a fitting response to all the love and grace and actions of God. And here's where this letter gets tricky. Because we've just been flooded with grace. All good news, all love and all good news all the time for the past three chapters. And this fourth chapter can start to feel a little not that. It can start to feel heavy instead of freeing. We've just heard that God loves us just as we are and can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, and then we are told, begged actually, to live a life worthy of the calling to which we've been called. And just in case we weren't sure what that looked like, chapter 4 says that a worthy life is one of humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain our unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace. Based on that list, how many of you have lived a worthy year? Anyone? Month? Week? Day? Hour? All it takes is a conversation with someone who voted differently than you in the last election, and we stop being all of those things pretty quickly right now. Here's the thing about this text that we forget. It is not a to-do list. It's not like we check them off and then we're good with God. The grace And love of God, the forgiveness and division healing and peacemaking that God did by sending us Jesus and the Spirit, that has already happened. It is a done deal. It's not like we can lose our place in the family of God by getting caught up in traffic on I-94 and lose our handle on the bonds of peace just as a completely random example. All of the verbs about God's action are past tense. You have been called. The grace which you have been given. It has all already happened. So if you hear this list of things that we are called to be and do in the world and you feel like it's a checklist of attributes that make you good enough to deserve the love you've been given, then think again. This list is a list of things we can strive for, but as a response to the grace we have already been given. That's why it's important that up until now, these verses have been solely about erasing lines and creating peace and reminding us that we are one. But now, when we start to think that these are things we need to do for us, Paul reminds us just who needs to be the recipient of all of our striving. Everyone else. Everyone who is not you. That is why this word unity is only used here. In the whole Bible, only used here. Because this letter is for a church. And this church is trying to learn how to respond after hearing a whole bunch of good news. Over and over they heard it. Listen, God loves you. Every single one of you, God loves you. Insiders and outsiders, just as you are. Even while you are messing up, even while you're still broken, God loves you. Is it sinking in yet? Maybe. Because there's some work for you to do. And let me tell you, this letter says, it's easier to do this work if you are gentle and patient and humble. It's easier to do this work if you strive to make peace. Because this work is not for you. It is for everyone Else. This letter is not just for a church, but for the church, for this church. And for better or for worse, the church is filled with people. People who mess up, who make bad choices, who have bad days. Hello, I spilled my whole mug of coffee on myself and on the floor. And the worst part is that I didn't get any of the coffee. It's for people who are stuck in Minnesota road construction traffic. It is for people who have lost their job. It is for people who have heard you have cancer. It is for everyone. The church is filled with all kinds of people. And we have a God who has chosen to let us be a part of the kingdom. And Paul says God has given you, you the church, you the people in this church, gifts already has given. God has given you gifts that you are supposed to use, gifts that wire us differently so that Some are preachers, and some are teachers, and some are apostles, and some are prophets, and some are evangelists. Gifts so that we can build up the kingdom of God in the world. Gifts that expand the boundaries of who is in and who is out until everyone is in. These gifts we are given are not for ourselves. They are for the body of Christ. For the unity of the church. There it is again, that word. That word. This is when that understanding of unity, as Aristotle used it, comes in very handy. Because this unity we are given and called into is this threefold unity of time, place, and action in this kind of unity, we don't have to look the same or even believe exactly the same things, but we can and do have to and get to work together. We come together in the same time and in the same place to work together for the kingdom of God in the world. This is what Paul means by the unity of the church. This place, this community is when and where and how we work together for love and justice and equity. I read a study from Oxfam this week that said 42 people, 42, own half of the world's wealth. 42 people own half of the world's wealth. Forty-two. That should just astound you. Do you know how those 42 people stay in power and stay wealthy and in charge of everything? They just keep everyone divided. It's real easy. Just make sure we're afraid of each other and we stay separate from each other and we other each other and it works for them. It works. But unity Working at the same time, in the same place, for the same kingdom of God is what flips things over. When we act together on behalf of the kingdom of God, it challenges power and the system that holds people out and down. Even when we don't believe the same things or look the same way or even like the same things, unity of God asks us to work together. So then our job as Christians, as people who are called and then sent, is that whenever someone is oppressed, is placed on the outside, is labeled as other or less than, we go there together and we bring them in. That is unity. There's that word. It is powerful. It turns everything upside down. And let's be honest, if you're here today, if you're sitting in this room, you're already in. You're already a saint, according to this letter from Paul. Saints aren't, as a professor of mine calls them, the Hall of Fame Christians. You might think they are. We are all given that name, saint, in our baptism. We are saints. Heirs, children of God, family members in the family of Christ. And we are given gifts, so many gifts, so that we can use them to bring about the kingdom of God in this world. The kingdom of God that Paul reminded us about for three whole chapters. That good news. That's what we're called together to work on behalf of. Now, unity is not the same as uniformity. Difference does not have to divide us. I'm going to say that again for me, mostly, but in case you also need to hear it too. Difference does not have to divide us. But let me be clear. If our difference is because you want to place someone on the outside and place yourself on the inside, then let me say this gently and clearly while trying to maintain the bonds of peace. As a person given a gift to be a preacher, you are so loved, but you are wrong. You are wrong. Our differences do not divide us when we are working together for the kingdom of God. Anything that works against the unity of our shared goal is not a part of the kingdom. And we should not be afraid to say it. Our work is bringing people in, not keeping them out. Difference does not divide because in the kingdom of God, our differences are how the work of God gets done. Everyone is not meant to do all the things. Again, a thing I need to hear more than once is that everyone is not meant to do all the things. And maybe part of our problem when we get paralyzed and overwhelmed is because we've forgotten we don't have to do all the things. If we are working together for the same result, then our differences mean we each get to do the things we've been gifted to do, and together the work gets done. Together, the boundaries get bigger. Together, people get brought in, and they get to hear the words, you are loved, you are loved, you are so loved. This list we're given today is a reminder for us how to stay focused on that goal when we don't agree on everything. It's good to be gentle and humble And patient in the midst of our differences, in order that we preserve our unity as people of God, people who are working to bring God's kingdom to the here and now. You have already been given these gifts. You have already received God's grace and love and acceptance and love and forgiveness and love. That is the good news, and it is good news. And if you are here because you needed a reminder of that today, then lucky you, you're about to get a big one. You're going to hold out your hands and you're going to hear that the good news is for you and you're going to take and eat and you're going to go back to your spot and you're going to sit in that undeserved love that just reached out and brought you in and you're going to let it sink in just enough that you can no longer sit there anymore keeping it to yourself. That is the sweet spot we find ourselves in today, Prince of Peace. The unity of grace and the unity of being sent to bring in the kingdom of God. Amen. You offer love through our cold and calloused hands. Bind our hearts and unite our voice